Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse and we have a guest today, Joshua Russert. Thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's very good to see you again. Yeah, we uh, had you on the show, the uh, CoffeeCon show from five or six episodes ago, yeah. something like that. Episode 99. Episode 99, we did a little Q&A around the show. Ooh, just before 100. Yes. That, that's, that's a good episode to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I checked in, yeah. Uh, and uh, we had a great conversation with you there, although it was a little brief, obviously, at the show, um, really busy, but we wanted to bring you back on uh, and have a time to sit down and chat a lot more. It's great. Well, thanks for making this coffee. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we have uh, the Baddorf and Bronson, uh, Guatemala Finca Las Terrazas, Weiwei Tenango. Uh, thank you for bringing the coffee. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. A pleasure. You know, I, um, I, at home, uh, I have a, either I use a Chemex or another pour over method, or I also have a, a batch, a little batch brewer, a little drip brewer. And uh, I, you know, sometimes when we're drinking coffee, like in our profession or in our regular lives, we're, we're focusing a lot when we're at, quote unquote, at work. Right. And then the off times when we're at home, it's kind of like the joke about the chef who comes home and just eats, at, eats frozen, frozen <laughs> meals, right? Like, yeah. So I, I, I was making coffee in the morning. We get up really early because we have a, a six-year-old. And so we end up getting up at like 4.30, my wife and I, just so we can have some time to have some coffee, check in. And so I'm, sometimes I'm a little foggy-headed. And I put this into... Uh, the Mocha Master and, and, and Brut, and I hadn't tried it, I don't think, even when we'd released it. Um, yeah, Dave, it was, you know, a great Guatemala coming through. Yeah. We have great people sourcing our coffee. Um, and so really the first time I really tried it was a surprise because it came <laughs> out of that machine with this amazing head of cacao nibs. Mm, like yeah. almost as if I thought maybe someone had like laced my cup with cocoa liquor or something. So... I love it. Yeah, it's it's delicious. It's fun. We just got our way way in as well at Conduit. And it's, yeah, it's a nice comparison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, classic kind of, if you think about the... the So classic and so clean. Mm. Uh, This one having, what, notes of uh, blackberry? Elegant Mm -hmm. and intense blackberry? Blackberry. I I was talking with a friend of mine in our industry. He works down in California. And... I, I don't know what the subject of the conversation where we weren't talking about work. Um, we we're talking about other jobs or other things in the world and how important they are. And then I said, yeah, that's the thing. When I sit down sometimes and I really look at the scope of the world and the issues we're dealing with in our society, <laughs> and I feel a little absurd because I sit around tables arguing about whether it's blackberry or do we want to say ripe blackberry? <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of BS that I, right. that I purported as, purport as a job, but it's true. Right. I'm getting aromas like the blackberry bush with the fruit, ripe, But I'm getting some like sweet bramble and like some of that mm-hmm. kind of classic yeah. lemon grassiness of the guacamole. And then when they say sugar <laughs> and I taste it, I think, well, yeah, the, I mean, the sugar is there, but again, the thing that really comes out more than anything else for me is that it's not when I noticed how I said cocoa liquor, right. <laughs> it wasn't cocoa. Dry cocoa, cocoa liquor. Yes, yeah. cocoa liquor. I mean, exactly. it's not Swiss Yeah, it's a different quality. I think it's probably because I'm having a sensual experience that it's really hard. And again, I'm you know, I'm not in on the green coffee team. You know, I I, I get to participate, and right. I, and my opinion is heard, but it really doesn't have much sway in the organization. It's kind of nod, be like, yeah, we yeah. know. But I I have, to, <laughs> I have to talk about the coffee. Right. right. That's that's my job. I get to talk about the coffee and. And I get to be with people to share it as a 
sensual experience. Exactly. Isn't that what's amazing about coffee though? Like what you said, it's like there's so many other bigger things that we could be working on in the world. But on the other hand, the coffee is really what connects us to all these regions as well. In so many ways that you can appreciate well, connects all the work us that other to the regions and connects us to ourselves. Yep. Like what do we th- I mean, I get it. We're here on a coffee podcast to talk about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so of course we're going to start with coffee. But even if I was here to play D&D, which I do, flash news flash, do you have a, a soundboard for that? Um, <laughs> even if I was here for some other reason, do, do, maybe playing D&D. Um, I would probably say, hey, let's have a cup of coffee. I mean, we have so many of our interactions start with that, yeah. regardless of what the conversation is. Do we need to get a Coffee Nerds D&D group going? Because I would <laughs> totally be a part of that. Well, we just started a new campaign. Yeah. Um, I could talk to the DM about splitting off. <laughs> the funny thing is, they're not they're food nerds, but um, I met... Um, I met Kara and Brian when um, my tea company, B. Fuller's, did a farmer's market for right. several years. And they were across the way from us usually in the farmer's market. And they had a marshmallow company. Yeah. So Mallow. Mallow. I remember Mallow. Of course, that's so where I met you too. Right? Yeah. Duh, I know. And Will came by the open house the other yeah. day. Yeah. So, yeah, Mallow um, was just was fun. And so that that's uh, Brian's the DM. Okay, <laughs> so I I could probably convince them to do a little offshoot. <laughs> so uh, speaking of B. Fuller's and Mallow and these, mm-hmm. uh, shall we call them early years? Could you uh, perhaps tell us a bit about yourself and about your history and how you oh, come into sure. coffee and all this kind of thing? Well, I think so. I've been in coffee now since I mean, really, quote unquote, been in coffee well, probably since '94. Wow. Um, and my, the first place I worked, and this is a, a, you know, things coming full circle was actually a back door from Bronson account, uh, in Seattle, the Maze Cafe up on Finney Ridge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I used to work Ms. in Mays. the, Miss Mays, the barista stand there that was inside the lips, right? The, they had a walk-up window that when you looked at it from the outside, looked like a big, like a mouth. Mm-hmm. And so you'd walk up to the mouth to order, to order your drink. Um, yeah, that was the first time I really <laughs> was doing coffee, I think somewhat seriously and was presented with, you know, something other than Starbucks at that right. point. Because Starbucks was kind of, you know, ran the town in a sense as far as the idea of something that was different from right. Folgers or, you know, mass produced coffee. So yeah, that was my first experience, you know, taking being behind the bar a little more seriously. And then after that, uh, about a year later, I got a job for a company called Zoka Coffee Roaster and Tea Company. I was hired by Dismiss Smith. Oh, Dismiss. Um, old Dismiss. Oh, do I have some stories? We got to add. And they will not be, people. they will be on the after party. Um, <laughs> we can swear in the after party, right? Yes, okay. yes. Great. Well, yes, then the that's when show. I'll tell my the after show. Third crack, coffeeloversradio.com. Check it out. You're saying. Don't worry about it. So, promo. Um, so, I, I, was, yeah, I was hired by Dismiss. Um, and it was there at Zoka where I guess the kind of the, the track for probably what has kept me in coffee and kept me luckily enough to be engaged in something larger than just a, a product that's being sold was we had sat down one night and we're discussing and I should, I haven't talked with him about this in a long time, but we were over at my house cause I live down the alleyway from the actual Zoka roastery there. Right. Because the roastery used to be in the cafe. Right. Um, so in Tangletown. And uh, we were the, what we were discussing was how do we retain people? Right. How do we keep people engaged in what we're doing here? 
And again, this is probably what ninety eight, I think. Right. I mean, those are some serious questions, and everything yeah. was growing so fast. Yeah, it was that's growing. when I was starting to really notice coffee, but I was in high school. Yeah, you know, so so um, that was the question: what keeps people engaged? Because the obvious the thing was always, well, somebody comes in, you invest some time and energy in them. They're good, you know, you're managing a coffee shop. What you're really doing is you're managing labor, and you're managing your expenses, and your cogs, and right. even though we're roasting coffee and beginning a wholesale business as well, we're also running this cafe, and the cafe is the face of our coffee that we're roasting, right? And it's the way customers are introduced to it, so we want happy, upbeat people serving it. That's great. You get somebody who's perfect. Awesome. You hire for that, right? You hire the right people. You get right. them out there. You train them for what training was at the time, right? Right. <laughs> Which is an entirely different world now. Um, <laughs> clink, clink, exactly. exactly. Yeah, tap it and polish it. Make sure to polish it really well because we have to polish it. Um, you know, water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, now but, then, but then, you know what? They, they graduate from college because we're mm -hmm. by the University of Washington and then bye-bye. Yep. Then you hire a whole new batch of people. So the, guy, the idea was, well, and people wear out a customer service or, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a lot of hours to do that or they need more money or whatever because it's well, exhausting. Yeah, a, multi a multiplicity of reasons right. as to why we have, we have, have high turnover. Um, but also the, what we came down to is, like, well, how do we make this job of a barista something that is like, I mean, a career, it, not just something you're doing until you go on to do something else. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, at that, about that time, um, Jeff Babcock brought the, the team. I, I had moved right. away, I actually moved to South Carolina. And while I was away, they moved, went to uh, Nordic Barista Jam and got to experience what was going on in Northern Europe. Right. Which and way came back with yeah. their minds blown. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I came back. We I came back to Seattle around that time. And... Um, yeah, I worked, so I worked for Zoka again, and at that, it was really competition focused. It was kind of, you know, the early days of SCA beginning to adopt competitions right. and getting into, you know, this model of the barista as a competitor. And that then, of course, you know, um, dovetailed with, you know, the idea that we we're trying to build out our training program using David Schomer's right. work. The work he I mean, did all that about. stuff was happening at the same time. All happening. I mean, it's really remarkable and it's really kind of cool to hear you say that because from my perspective, you know, not nearly being in the, in the industry nearly as long as you, but coming across where these people are now and Sean Lieb and people like that that we're working with are really coming out of that kind of what you guys were incubating there for the alternative, like the alternative Seattle coffee scene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and really kind of creating some super baristas and super coffee oh, yeah. people that are well, still in the industry. Yeah, it's still Bra very much a thing. Roman Serena was yeah. that group I worked with. Um, she was the first person I ever let roast on my roaster. Oh. Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> Did you get a step stool? Um, <laughs> it's an IR5. It's tiny. Oh, yeah. we, so, <laughs> Someone roasted we, They had made a, uh, a, a long bench-like step stool at one point. Um, because, yeah, they, they built the counter up and it was really hard to reach the machine. Uh that was kind of what got me more serious in what was happening. I never competed. I never got into competition. Um, but I did really start enjoying training. And so what I, where I moved after that was I went to work for Fair Start, which is a, a nonprofit here in Seattle. Um, and I got, and this was actually with, through Bronwyn, actually. She, she hooked me up oh, with uh, the, the head trainer at the time, Jeff Thompson. And it was a youth training program for homeless, disadvantaged youth, marginalized youth in the Seattle area, giving them uh, job training skills. Right. And so we focused on yeah. 
barista training. And so we would lead them through a, a, a multi-week course of foundations. And um, I just did that for a couple of years and really just loved that. I, I, That's cool. Uh, Fair Start's an amazing organization. They're great. I mean, they are very, they're popular for a reason because they, they take this industry that, you know, most of us love, the hospitality industry, um, and use it as a gateway for um, individual improvement and an individual connection, right? I mean, people get to come in. If you're in the industry and you love it and it's your bread and butter, no pun intended, um, but also kind of like where your heart is at, you get to come and share that with other folks and then watch them, you know, um, come into the industry as well right? and give back. So it's like this virtuous cycle just keeps getting recreated. So it's, I'm, I'm grateful to, to still be engaged in, um, in volunteering with them. You know, it's, cool. it's, it's fantastic. They're a fantastic organization. So yeah, I'd spent a couple years there in uh, training and then I went and uh, did my turn with the big green machine for a couple years. Uh, <laughs> I worked in international training and development with, with Starbucks and that was all, all operations training. So, uh, um, basically leading, uh, folks from, uh, executive level down through culture into operations and then leading operations leaders through the operations systems, as well as all the way down to the ground of, you know, leading baristas through, you know, yeah. the, the, the Starbucks way. That's really what the power of Starbucks is, is that structure is not really the Yeah. <laughs> well, Hey, you know, just to be fair, you know, I, you look at my arm, I have a, Double short Americano, uh, you know, on my arm. On my arm. <laughs> back, back when we still used the idea of doubles and singles. Oh yeah, sure for doubles and singles, right? That was the, uh, you know, that was what, how we called it back in the day before we had the, the realization that's that we're so doing fun. extractions. Right? Yeah, that's mm. what we're doing. We're doing extractions now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, long ago, children, we used to have a thing called a single latte, <laughs> in which you, yeah. It, um, no longer the way we do coffee. Mm-hmm. No longer the way we think of extracting um, water through through coffee. But at that time, yeah, that was that, that was my drink, and right. so I got that, that drink tattooed in my arm. I used to get americano and have you know get the the uh, I'm trying to say the mista with the foam on top, and it'd be like, oh, I'm getting a cheap latte. I really you know really gaming the system on this one. <laughs> you, you totally owned them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I just made him waste milk, and that doesn't help. I, I think at that time too, what I was thinking was I that that was also right around the time that competitions got super serious, and everybody did in coffee. I mean, isn't yeah. that like a lot of like the baristas and that kind of when that culture of snobbery well, kind of started in a I, lot of ways? Like, the way I thought of it at the time was I thought it looks like we're weaponizing our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right, because and that's that's natural, right? Because competitions, right? So in competitions, where obviously you have a goal, you're trying to represent your coffee, but you're competing yeah. against others, and everything was new. Right now, the competitions like everybody has their your story about the farm that goes with that. Well, it sounds like there was a vast acceleration of knowledge and experience, and when you're when you're trying to go from one level to the next, competition is obviously one of the ways to increase. But going from a baseline of how the average customer person at the time what when about was this like mid 2000s yeah this would have been in 2001 2002 or so um it was when it really started getting bigger and bigger like sca started growing right that would, um, that would also fest started getting bigger and bigger yeah. i mean the shows were really the thing where a lot of the roasters were where a lot of roasters were going to those shows right yeah. sca had a lot of roasters at it right um that was kind of the it really is when the term 
third wave was mm. was blooming again. Yeah. No pun intended, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was that was there was this recognition that a new thing had, had been started. Right. Um, kind of growing up out of the ubiquity of Starbucks and mm. the ubiquity of what we call that second wave of coffee into this new approach, which were these smaller, independent, quote-unquote, roasters who were look, looking to find ways to differentiate themselves, but also were connecting, actually right. connecting to the coffee in a different way. Yeah, because Vita was way. exploding. That was right after Mike McConnell bought uh, Paradiso, like 2000, I think, and turned it to Cafe Vita, and that started that whole... Yep. Oh, I remember. <laughs> so, we, so we end up with this the competition uh, uh, fierce. acceleration of, of knowledge and experience on the on the industry side of, of roasters and baristas and everyone learning. And then the, the um, I guess this probably, what I'll say, rift between the drinker and the industry kind of growing as, yeah. as that, well, that higher part grows. Yeah. Now, are we in a spot where um, the average customer is, is starting to catch up? Like, is it coming back around now? Hmm. Uh, and I guess I'm trying to kind of bring this back to the conversation we had at, at CoffeeCon. Sure. Uh, where I asked you, um, why should people give a crop about their cup? <laughs> and hashtag, you got into... Hashtag. <laughs> trademark. Yeah. And, uh, and you got into... Uh, I think we, we ended that with you saying that um, coffee now is a way for people to... Um, to enjoy as its own experience and yeah. less as a consumption. Well, I mean, that's been happening all along, and I think we are reaching a, I mean, I would call it, from someone who's competitive in the market, you know, I work mm. for a company, Backdoor from Bronson Coffee Roasters, we've been doing this for 30 years, and we look at, like, the landscape of our competition, right? And there's so much competition. Mm -hmm. And one way you could look at that was like, oh my gosh, there's so much competition for the limited amount of dollars, and that's not really a good way to look at it. I mean, the way, the way to look at it is like, wow, there are so many people and we've been around long enough doing things the way we're doing it in the way that we all share kind of doing this with this approach to coffee as a, as a culinary thing that is, that stands alone in and of itself as an experience. That's a great thing because what it's doing is it just creates more and more people who through whatever path they come to have that that singular experience we've all had at one point, right. many of us twenty four years ago, <laughs> where you have a cup of coffee and you think, "Oh, That's this yeah, this is not just me staggering out of bed in the morning and to get to my job. This is a unique, sensual experience that I'm right. having." And we all, if we we're professionals, we've all had that moment. That's why we probably became coffee <laughs> professionals, and now we're getting to recreate that in a sense. And now we just—it's just a numbers that we now have enough people who have a grounding and a professional orientation towards this agricultural product to help turn it into that experience for more and more people who are, quote, usually we call right. consumers, but they're not consumers. They're, they're with us as coffee people. Right. right. They're participating. They're participating. Exactly. I would, yeah. it, it really fascinates me how all the, the industries change so much, but it's, it's, I mean, you say in the, in the, when we interviewed before that like the effect is what people wanted. People just wanted to get their yeah. coffee routine, but also that came out of the general, like the era of just separating ourselves from the food that we're eating in general, mm -hmm. you know, mono agriculture. Don't think about the dirty farmers and yeah. the dirt. Think about the tomatoes and the soup that you're going to make or whatever. And, um, it seems like now coffee, no matter what scale of coffee you're at, and it's pioneered by a lot of people like Starbucks, but it seems like the whole industry is more exposed to what coffee is and how just what a wide net it is that people are, 
for the better consumers or these participants are, are um, recognizing that and seeing that it's like, wow, this is a, this is a massive industry. And so they're kind of appreciating it more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, you know, no sugar or no venti lattes or whatever. But yeah. Well, there's room, there's room in our industry, in the industry for all of those things. Right. I think a friend of a mutual friend of ours just went on a rant about, um, about defending pumpkin spice lattes the other day. Right. And I thought, I was like, right on exactly. Like, you know what? I've had a pumpkin spice latte. Mm-hmm. Tastes pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to have it every day, but I enjoyed it. And why would we ever, why would we ever denigrate someone for having something right. they enjoy in their life? And, the, and it's, <laughs> it's like it's, just separate it because it's a marketing campaign. It's really yeah, what you don't like. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. that's, that's what gets right. under people. It's like the Christmas and, music. And then like, as, as, food, as food dorks, you know, I couldn't help myself. The first time I heard it, I think, actually, you know, we have to make sure we put a space between the words pumpkin and spice because this no pumpkin in this drink whatsoever, but rather it's the spices that are used in pumpkin pie. Like, I that's I need to use my inside voice because <laughs> for a long time that might have been something I would have said to a customer, right? Actually, like coffee splaining, <laughs> coffee splaining, right, to, to my customers. I don't need to do that. Hashtag. Yeah, hashtag coffee splaining. Um, and what I get to say is like, yeah. Spices like in a pumpkin pie, isn't that delicious? I actually, I actually like making a pumpkin spice latte with a bit of pumpkin. Sure, yeah, um, and yeah, it's pretty tasty. Not not all, <laughs> not not all pumpkin spice lattes. Right, yeah, I get it. Something we do, yeah. of course, because but that's again, that's a part of that exploration that continues to go on as a culinary, right. as that people respond yet again, still responding to <laughs> Starbucks, right? That they're leading a marketing craze, and you know what? It's a numbers game, and if there are people coming into my shop who want to enjoy a pumpkin spice latte, how can I take that market right. mm-hmm. desire? Why would you ignore it? Exactly. And and then, but also Fighting accept it. accept yeah. the position that I have on coffee. Like, yeah. yeah, I really want the coffee to be forward and I want to find out, let's pair it with the coffee that, we'll, that it will work with and do all those things as we do um, and celebrate it. And then hopefully, you know, bring that person back into my shop the next day. And maybe they drink pumpkin spice lattes for, for three months and then when the season for pumpkin spice lattes is over, they go to their pour over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so you know what? You don't want to know what the coffee. Or they buy this bag to take it home, yeah. but you're going to a shop to get something yeah. made that you can't make at home. Okay? Yeah. The yeah. ultimate goal, of course, is for us to get a person to bring this coffee back home. Yeah. That's that's the desire. Is we want them to bring that. We want them to have this experience in their home, around their tables, with the people they love, um, and for them to own. All the stuff, and that comes back to kind of the, the thought that I'd had when I transitioned and decided to go over to Starbucks was that there was this kind of weaponizing of our information as a, like a kind of a, a sect, you know, a, a cult of coffee knowledge. And that I think is necessary. I mean, is that had to happen because there was so much learning going on, so mm-hmm. much excitement that there necessarily was kind of an in and out kind of experience, right? right. And unfortunately, part of the out group or our customers because <laughs> you you just couldn't there's no way to effectively communicate right what the and that's really what's learning. changing because as the industry's developed and we have people i mean certainly starbucks but sometimes everybody's doing all this education for us so like that's what's great about seattle yeah. for for small yeah. company like mine like you don't have to spend all that time explaining what a single origin is or yeah why or, why there's this or i would bet you could walk into any coffee shop um that we consider a specialty coffee shop and take those customers and just do a blind <laughs> survey and ask how many people know what the two major commercial varieties of coffee mm-hmm. or two species of coffee are, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Arabica and Robust. And then they'd stand up and they'd probably be able to say that. And you couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And they might even further be able to go on and That's say That's what's that. amazing to me is that was 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, 2008. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was, you know, what I, uh, just to, just to jump back, I think one of the, one of the things you can't ignore is that you can't make people think or understand a certain way. Uh, like someone comes in and they have a particular desire. Uh, they have something that they want. Um, you are serving really fantastic coffee. You really want them to enjoy. Like I would, I would love for someone to, you know, take this Guatemala and make it on a V60 and, and enjoy that. But if they really want a pumpkin spice latte, they really want a pumpkin spice latte. If that's their, mm -hmm. if that's their um, reality, then you have to, you have to respect that. And it's up to them to have whatever experience change in their mind to open the door and say, you know what? Yeah, I've been having this, but maybe I'll have that now. Yeah. Um, when I do these tours, that's that's the biggest compliment I get is when they email me back and they're like, hey, so we bought this brewer. Can you give us a new uh, brew ratio, brew guide for it? You know, like they, they were so, they went from going to a coffee shop and drinking pumpkin spice lattes every day to like buying a V60 and wanting to learn how to make coffee. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Just kind of, you just catch them in that moment. and well, and that's, yeah, that's important for us here as people who operate shops and um, who work with wholesalers, we, people we wholesale to is, you know, we, we've kind of, we're taking a position now and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this, um, where, you know, we're not really, it's hard for me to say because it's always, it seems so controversial, but we, we're not really hanging our hat on how great our coffee is, right? I mean, as a company and like so many others out there, just speaking to coffee in general, but you know, I obviously work for a specific company. The entry point for what we're doing is that we have great coffee. Right. I mean, we have to have that. We have to have sourced it and we have very smart people and very smart individual who <laughs> spends a lot of time in origin, a lot of time with our farmer partners, a lot of time cultivating those relationships we've had for a long time, um, getting us really great coffee. Um, and then we spend a lot of energy and, and understanding roasting it, what we think is correct and the way we think is correct right. and tasting it constantly. I mean, we're deeply engaged in that process, but I mean, it, it would be disingenuous for me to sit here and say, Oh, we do it the best. Yeah, there is right? no best. Coffee. There is no best. I mean, there's no way to, for me to say that. I, I cringe whenever I hear anybody say, oh, we have the best, best coffee. We're going to make the best coffee. And, you know, and I hear it from cu customers always ask, and it's a legitimate question that they ask. If I'm going out to, to say, hey, would you like to have your co our coffee in your, in your shop? They always, you know, what, you know, makes you, what makes you stand out? Hoping that, you know, what makes your coffee special, obviously, what I usually hear. <laughs> we have the most it's, amazing it's, coffee in the world. Yeah, we have the for best six dollars less a pound than what you're yeah, paying. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, price is always a factor. But, you know, we are, you know, we do not cut our prices. Our prices are relatively high. I mean, especially if people are transitioning into you know, right. specialty coffee. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, that's one of the harder <clears throat> conversations to have. What, what that price supports on our end is a couple of things. You know, we, we have a, group of people who are able to sit down and talk with them about this coffee. And we have a training and education program and right. we have customer support that will, you know, we can, we can take a lot of hits when it comes to loss so that we make sure you're happy. I mean, all those things. So what that really means is what we're not, we're not hanging our hat on our greater coffee is that is a given. And we have to act, we have to understand that we, that, right. that is where there is so much good coffee. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great you know, coffee and, and we've, and we've trained some of the best people in coffee, right? Yeah. I mean, we've been around long enough. People move through the doors and they pick up education. And so that's a key to it right there. What we really have in our case and others too, is we have a connection to 
a relationship, right? right? And that relationship is with the coffee and with the people that we work with to source it in origin. And it's a relationship with everyone within our organization that's doing all the different things they're doing. And how do we all, how do we serve each other? How do we serve the person we get the coffee from? How do we create a value chain that moves all the way into the stores and moves into your hands as a customer? Well, we're really, what we're really selling are our relationships. I know that seems kind of, you know, cliche or hackney or like it comes from a sales book, but that that's what sells. Well, that's the thing. You can have the best coffee in the world, yeah. but if you don't have that relationship, right. there's no place to yeah. sell. Well, also, that's where that's where the value is for everyone anyways. Like I think when, when the, the subject of the best coffee comes around, because when people don't understand what the experience actually is, then they turn to logical quantification of something. Sure. Okay. They're looking for the best coffee because the experience that they're having currently yeah. is not like fully satisfying them. So they must be needing to look for something better, right? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly where I started. Like, <laughs> And so think about this just from, as a logical exercise. Does someone come into your store and come back again? And especially if they maybe have never had a single order. They've never had a Guatemala Pueblo Tenango, right? They don't even know that that is a region of Guatemala and that it, it has a history of producing a certain type. It's not hui hui. Hui hui. It's going to be the name of my dog. Hui <laughs> hui Tenango in the news. Hui hui. Um, they, you know, they have not had that sensual experience of that coffee yet. Right? And they're not going to have it until they've had something else, which is an interaction with the human being at the counter. That's the first thing that they're going to have. That right. is the lasting impression. That's the... That's taste. where the trust is. That's the taste they're going to you know, carry. It's like that goes all the way into the coffee. Oh, I don't like you know. I smell your perfume, so therefore you're not a coffee person. Yeah, you probably exactly. want the dark rose. You don't want this Guatemala. And like that will turn somebody off, and they'll right. never come back again. Yeah, coming like, in and interacting with someone <laughs> in an authentic way, and that means that person who's standing there has to have the education, obviously. So we have to, as an organization, back them up and support them so that they feel comfortable and knowledgeable, so that. After they made a human connection with you and have started a relationship with that customer, they can then go on and speak to what you're looking for. Is like you want a cup of coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also think about this. We talk about this all the time in training. You know, a person doesn't come into a restaurant or a coffee shop because they're in the best space, right? I mean, think about it. Like, it's not like they're walking down the street and they're like, hmm, I could go into the hardware store or I could go into the picture framing shop or I could go into this cafe and get some coffee. No. Usually we are driven by necessity into coffee shops, yeah. right? There is that element still. Like we're thirsty, we're hungry, we're dehydrated. It's that routine energy. that's so addictive. It's part yeah. of a routine. Yep. You know, like you know, we 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 don't we're not going into the hardware store because we don't need a hammer. Right. What we need is a cup of coffee. The baristas are way more addictive than the hammer. Right. <laughs> and so the the thing is, they're they're coming in <laughs> and and they're going to bring whoever they are into that shop, right? Yeah. And. That's the goal. That's what we're we're looking for in people, right? As an industry, and specifically within our company, is someone who can take that person in and and create a relationship with them in moments, right? Because you got thirty seconds, right, to to get that down. And I found because I I started working at cafes when I decided I was going to get into roasting. I was like, well, I need some bar experience, some busy bar experience, and I had a couple different jobs, and I didn't realize how much fun it was to upsell people, and just in that. In that moment, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you came in for some tea, but you're going to walk out with a bunch, like, you know, worth a cupcake shop. And I was like, hey, you know, I just talked to him to buying a dozen cupcakes when he came in to read your book and get some tea. Mm-hmm. And just having that fun and loving the business and the customers and just kind of making that moment happen and, yeah, taking advantage of it. 
Yeah. You know, and get that tip jar going. Get the tip jar going. Sure. But it's it's a real thing, though. We were talking about that in the last interview um, with Angerhead. Mm-hmm. Just... It's just got to be nice to people. You got to work that line and and be friendly. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of what's the point of holding that knowledge inside? First of all, weaponizing it, um, and you know, if we're here. If we if we really get what copy is about, right? Which is about an expansion of the mind. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what literally occurs. It, it's an expansion of the taste buds, right? It's a mm-hmm. sensual experience. It's a psychotropic experience as well. That's our core thing here. This is what we are gathered around to, to be mercantilists of and to commodify and to market and to sell is this, this product. And it, it expands the mind. It expands the, the palate and the sensual experience. Well, then we as individuals in the industry should be, should be modeling that, right? We should be expanding ourselves out into someone's life to find out where they're at. And we look what we have to offer you here. Look at this great thing. We have, you know, if you come back again and again and again, then I can start talking to you about how long we've been around, how long we've been doing this, why we do things the way we do them. What right? season the coffee? Yeah. In. And, but I, I can't, I can't greet you with contempt or hmm. I exclude in a sense of you being in or being out of a club yeah. that I'm in. Right. Yeah. You, you've come into my home. I use an analogy of like dogs and cats a lot. Like you kind of have to have that yellow lab energy. Be like, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me oh, show yeah. you. I love that. I love that when yeah, I go look to at my ball. Shop, right? my, and then yeah, other I, times it's like, oh hey, and you just kind of sit there like it's like a no, shout out. A shout to out to Narrative. I was up there the other day, and Narrative, you know, was is considered one of the the best coffee uh, coffee shops in North America, right? And yeah. you know why? It's because you walk in there, and I mean, I happen to know Max Maxwell, right? Right, but. I don't, I think if I did not know him, if I had never met him before, I am almost positive that I would receive the same warmth, welcome, Without and inclusion uh, as when I walk into, walked into a shop the other day, right? It's just that sense of like, you are here and you belong here. And this is what we're doing here. And that's, how can we recreate that uh, in our industry, right? So, because right. that's what we need to do. And make it cost effective as well. Well, they make it, yeah. I mean, it's also a gorgeous shop, but it's all built because he, yeah. I think that certainly uh, feeds <laughs> yeah. into some like the basic basic human need that everyone walks around with is the need to feel belonged uh, somewhere. And people might walk in because they think they need a cup of coffee, but uh, everyone goes into a cafe needing to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't lead with that, that's I think where you where you start driving a spike between yourself and people. And, yeah, yeah, and that there you go. And it's, it's that's the trap again of talking about we're not really selling coffee we're selling an experience and a, and, a, and a relationship right and and coffee happens to be the signifier and the, the means by which we're doing that because it's the thing we gather around and um and if because if we get trapped in a product or a thing like i mean listen well, th- i love great coffee of course i love drinking coffee but what i really, really love right now is sitting down with the two of you and talking right? and we happen to be talking about coffee but we could be talking about anything this is what it is about it's this this table that we've circled around. In this case, it's your hospitality, which has brought me here. And that's what we do in a coffee shop is we've opened up a doors for hospitality opportunities to, to, to meet with people. And that's what it's always been about.
It was around people coming together in a coffee shop right. to share ideas, to poetry and thought and ideas on politics, economics. Yep. And, you know, when it spread into Europe and, you know, at one point there were a thousand coffee shops in England, in London, before there were ever tea shops, right? Because it was a place where you came and you stimulated your mind and your ideas and I mean, maybe not so much your palate back then. I'd be, I'd, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing whenever I, well, I don't want to say anything. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, you, say, Go, going to certain, that. going to certain uh, historically associated countries in Europe, uh, talking about espresso, yeah. and they're like, well, yeah, they definitely had espresso there. Yep. Um, Talk about like the the, <laughs> the style, like Spanish roast or French roast. Yes, right? yeah, it all yeah. depends on the the. The, how dark their history is. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it also, yeah. I mean, the, there's a thousand ways to enjoy this this core product, and my goal right now as I move into the the next half of my career is, you know, really focusing on that. Why are we gathering around this cup of coffee, and you know, what are the implications of this as a as a global product? Right. right. I mean, we're dealing right now with the you know the impact of of the ravages of the market. On right. on sea prices, and we all have a responsibility in that. We need to find out as as consumer people who drink coffee, and then also as people who sell and market coffee. I mean, what what are the the things we can do as organizations and as groups to um, to confront what that what that right. does to our to our partners? I mean, these, I mean, there is no coffee industry without without origin, exactly. and and I, 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 nothing but good comes from more of us going more often to origin. And and beginning to um, erase those boundaries between the global north and the global south. And giving a crop about your cup. Yep. You giving know? a crop about your <laughs> cup. Exactly right. And, and buying from smaller companies like Batdorf that are more involved in the supply chain and who they're getting it from. You know, that's how you insulate farmers a little bit more from the commodity yeah. prices falling. Yeah, and tanking or whatever. As we've like, looked at it, because we we had a conversation around it, we had to right because um, you know, we have these relationships. Just for another minute, um, we have these relationships, and we we obviously like a lot of the other people. We pay a, a premium far above the sea market, right? And um, we, we you know we're in competition with other people for the same great coffee, right? And so that can drive that drives the price up, and that's good for our partners, and it's good for our relationships. But then we also recognize that a lot of those farmers, I mean, the coffee that we're buying, um, you know, that we're in competition with others for, um, it's only a portion of those crops, right? I mean, a lot more of the coffee they're growing is left. I mean, mm-hmm. only a certain portion of that coffee will make it onto our tables, right? Yeah, they, and therefore, there's a large portion of it which is at the ravages of the market again. So the question we come to is we, we went, with, for example, we turned around to the cooperative we work with for Triumfo Mexico, which we just brought online, and we asked them, what should we do? And they turn around to their 600 mm-hmm. members and say, what can this company do? And the decision is, well, they tell us what what to do because we don't know. Right. I mean, we, well, <laughs> we can, different. we can, we can come with a lot of ideas, but that's what one thing we've learned about decolonization is that <laughs> we don't, the global doesn't, help doesn't have, have the answer. More schools yeah. If that's not no, what they're exactly. You know, we need to ask them yeah. what, what will help. And they, well, they're working with a, a an NGO and an organization that helps them diversify, do, um, so do biodiversity for agricultural products so that, you know, is one way to look at it is like there's just too much coffee in the market, right? That's right. Produces that. So how can we help our partners we work with? Well, get some more seasons, keep... growing seasons, and more more exactly. We, want, we definitely want them to keep growing that that awesome coffee that they that they've made for us that fits our fits our needs. 
but then how can we maybe diversify part of that land so that they have another income flow or a different income flow when the market drops, right? So they can weather those, 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 those issues where that other 80% of what they're growing uh, drops in price, exactly. they'll have another way to, to, to get through that. So that's one thing, you know, that, that we've, we're, we're shown how to do. It makes me smile a little bit getting a little corn kernel in with the green coffee because it means there's some diversity <laughs> yeah, in their, yeah, their agriculture. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting a little on in this episode here, uh, before we, before we let you go, um, one more question for you. Looking forward in the future, you're, you were just sort of starting to touch on your thinking about you know your next half year career in coffee. Uh, how do you see coffee going over the next 5, 15, 20 years? Well, I don't think it's a, a mystery that you know anybody who's been around long enough is watching um, you know the nature of wholesale change pretty drastically. Um, and we've also at the same time watched a lot of consolidation occur. I mean, we're, we're a company that is larger than a lot of the folks who do what we do. And we often, we often say in our sales orientation, we never poach from take accounts from people who do what we do is what we like to say. If you're a, a, a third wave company bordering on fourth wave. You know, but we don't even know what the definition of that. You're is. in the waves. If you're in the waves, if you're if you are <laughs> looking at single origin specialty coffees and you are hand roasting, um, we are we are in this together. And so we don't we don't we don't take business away from those accounts. Um, we wait when people come to us. That's fair. That's fair, right? Right. But we don't go out and try to poach anything because that's just not part of who we are as, mm. as an organization. Um, and I'll definitely bring coffee by for you to drink and enjoy and, sh and share. Uh, and that's why it's, you know, multi roasters are so awesome because they get to appreciate a, a wide variety of different coffees from different um, roasting houses. That said, you know, what's occurred again, I kind of call it the sideways pressure is that a lot of the people who've been doing this for a while, like Batdorf started sending people down to origin 30 years ago and started making relationships directly with farmers 27 years ago mm -hmm. and started, you know, you know, doing all sorts of things that we now consider as kind of de rigueur for third wave direct trade coffee. Those are practices that we've been doing for a long time. And then the way we roasted coffee, you know, we've been doing for a long time and, you know, that focus on hand roasted coffee. And so what's happened, people come up through those systems and they move outwards. Because at a certain point, there are only so many jobs in any given any any given company, no matter how large you are, and so you go and start your own thing, right. and that's that's totally fair, right? And that's again, that's a good thing. It gets more people introduced to this thing that we love. Um, but what it also means is that now there are more people competing for those wholesale accounts, right. and so I think we're at a saturation point now. I think, and that's clear. So the what. We're, you know, what folks are looking at now is creating the retail experience. Yep. Right? The retail experience and the like, and the roasters that you think it's saturated, and then there's some new trend, you know, and give yeah. a little bit of space for you know conduit to move in and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> Dean Kalik, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah. um, I totally kicked me off my my uh, trend. Here's oh, me. oh, the saturation though. I'm I'm seeing the new saturation importers and all these people are trying to get the like the little companies bringing the coffee over and all the micro lots mm -hmm. and stuff like that and mm -hmm. and just how much I mean it takes so much capital to keep those systems yeah. going. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. It just I'm always amazed at how much more growth there is in the in the industry. Yeah. Um, well, again, though, someone who 
who's been a, a kind of a mentor for me, who brought me into Batdorf. His name is Mike Ferguson. And, and he had said, he had this quote that he used a long time when he worked for the SCA, where he said, until, I, I don't know the exact quote, so if he hears this, forgive me, Mike, but it's along the lines of, until um, anyone in any city in this country can walk a few blocks to a cafe where they can get a freshly roasted single origin coffee expertly made, there will be no oversaturation right. in the coffee market. I mean, we have a lot of work still to do to communicate with people what it is, what this thing mm. is, that it is not a commodity, that it is a culinary experience, that it's a standalone experience that you can go and have and enjoy. And it's seasonal and it's just a regular food, yeah. like just acknowledging where, where we get and we night, these things from. You know, just working with chefs is a great example. Like, um, we do, we work with uh, one of the schools in the Northwest, uh, it's the South Puget Sound Community College, I work in their education programs um, because we want to be able to talk with people who are being trained for the food service industry who will be chefs one day to begin introducing them to right. what we have to offer. Just like they will be taking wine classes, even though they're not going to be a sommelier, we want them to see what, what this is what coffee is. This exactly. is what you can do with coffee. Uh, so that you know, years down the line, when they're think when they open their own restaurant and they think I really want to have the best of everything, they know that there's people like us out there right. who are doing this, and they won't be as sticker shocked at the price. Of yes, exactly. <laughs> It'll certainly be interesting to see if, if in twenty years, if you can anywhere in this country, just walk down the street and get a freshly roasted single origin coffee. I don't know. That'll well, be interesting. <laughs> my goal is that I'll be behind the bar because that's how I want to retire. My whole goal, my whole goal of moving through this industry has been uh, how do I get back to the bar, right? I mean, right now we have a mortgage and a, and a kid and, um, <laughs> and planning for retirement. Uh, the dollars need to be what the dollars are. Yep. But one day, um, how, there's two things there. Um, how do I lower my expenses enough? And how do we continue to grow the role of the barista? Mm -hmm. uh, and how do we work with, you know, incorporating um, the way we compensate staff appropriately? So, you know, I can imagine one day, you know, of coffee shops being a place where the roles are all shared in the, in, in the company. Like when, when you join a coffee experience, what you're doing is, you know, you are one, you are, um, you are starting off by finding a relationship, going down, exploring it, tasting the coffee, bringing the coffee in, roasting the coffee, carrying it through to the cafes, training staff on the coffee, then spending a month serving the coffee in the cafe. Right. Um, like a, almost like you, you, you carry the coffee all the way through its, yeah. its experience, right? But it'd certainly be great to see um, that be uh, a widely accepted career path just being in coffee, like barista as a career. Yeah. But more integrated as you're describing. Yeah. Well, maybe Anyways. if we can get socialized medicine and education. <laughs> well, we have to <laughs> check those off first. And then we are, we get we are talking 20, 50 years in the future, right? <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. No, that's, that's the desire, right? Is that, you know, well, have a society that allows people to actually do things they really love doing without yeah. the pressure of having to earn a wage. Oh, <sighs> But we went off track there. Yeah. Sorry, no, no, no. we're not here for political commentary. Well, let's uh, <laughs> we can do that in the third crack, which yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get into moments because uh, we've been talking forever, and I think we yeah. could probably keep talking forever. It's been great having it was, you on the show. It's Jocko. been such a pleasure. I love yeah. sitting around drinking coffee and talking yeah. about all sorts of stuff. It's fun. It's really good to see you again. Yeah. 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 All right, chat. So uh, patreon.com well, slash coffee lovers radio .com. Yes. Just send everyone to coffee lovers radio .com and then you can <laughs> click on the Patreon link. <laughs> 
I gotta sort the notes in my head better, hey, so I'm not just like I'll do, give yeah. you an extra bump. You know, Patreon's great because it truly allows someone to participate at the level they can participate at, mm. whether it's a, a dollar or five or ten dollars a month. You know what? I've joined Patreon enough where those things I yep. don't even notice them anymore. Yeah, we do extended yeah. show notes and, yeah. and just put our brew guides and what we did, oh, talked about it, talk, yeah. like I did. A, and shout outs. So speaking of shout outs, uh, we're gonna do a couple quick shout outs here because we have some as an example, so you can. So you as listeners, you know what the shout-outs are like. Four bucks a month. Get your shout-out in the episode. Here's the first one (laughs) from Jesse Nelson. Who's that guy? Hello, Joseph. I'm shouting out that you are an excellent co-host and your fly is open. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. That's that's good to hear. Weird. Oh, that was yesterday, too. It's been open the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. I got got one more shout-out if I can find it. I should have opened this up earlier. Two more shout-outs from an unnamed supporter. Congratulations, Carol and Parker, for your September wedding. Congratulations, Carol and Parker. Muzzle pump. Yeah. And. Cheers. That's right. Loads of love to Brittany, Brooke, Jaden, and Luke, the most wonderful nieces and nephews that an aunt could ask for. Oh, that's sweet. So if you'd like to get your shout out on the show, visit copyloversradio.com. Click that Patreon link at the top. Check it all out. Yep. We're here for you. And you get extra content too, right? Like after the after party kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So we've got extended show notes as well. Uh-huh. And then the after show we're calling the third crack, which we're just about to get into. So. Oh, yeah. Go on to Patreon and <laughs> throw, throw some money over here because then you get to hear me talk like a sailor. Yes. That's great. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, Joshua. Cheers. 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 This has been Joseph. And Jesse. With Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show and sign up for our email newsletter. Also, check out our new Patreon. Links for the Patreon and shows can be found at coffeeloversradio.com. You can get basic show notes for this show at coffeeloversradio.com. And on our Patreon, you'll be able to find expanded show notes and other fun stuff, too. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Coffee Lovers Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. Say hello and listen to our after show. The The Third third crack. Crack!